0: Welcome to the Whiskey Jazz and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, executive coach and founder of Outlast Consulting, Jared Simmons. what you drinking. Man, there are just so many things I could talk to you about. You got me to thinking about this whole idea of talent development. And I've just gotten into this book that was introduced to me by one of my brand new mentors. And she suggested just kind of in passing, I think Mm -hmm. we were talking with a client and she said, yeah, we're going to build out this program based upon the principles in this book called Talent is Overrated. And I said, wow, I better write that down. I, I haven't read that book, and I've yeah. picked it up, and oh my God, I'm loving this idea of talent as overrated. And one of the things that the author talks about, I don't even think it's the main thing, but one of the things that he talked about is this idea of identifying greatness and then chunking down the elements so that you've got deliberate practice against the elements, and you're not just, he uses the example, he uses a lot of sports examples, but like playing golf, right? You don't go mm-hmm. out and play 3,600 holes of golf in a weekend and thinking that you're getting better, but actually break down, chunk down, yes. what does greatness look like in each of these parts and pieces, mm-hmm. and then spend time getting best, getting better at those parts and pieces. That's a great idea, and I'm gonna yeah. bring that to a lot of my clients. Uh, hoping that they will be as excited about it as I am, but have you <laughs> seen organizations do that? Identify what they're wanting to accomplish, and then break down the parts that would allow their people to get there.
1: I've seen organizations do that for their project work. I've seen organizations do it for even professional development metrics. In order to get X percent of people to this this VP level, we need to do A, B, C, D, E, and F. I haven't yet seen an organization do it for its individuals to say playing a great round of golf isn't necessarily about playing more rounds of golf sometimes it's about spending time on the putting green spending time on the driving range the mental visualization things like that in music you can't play uh, you don't play autumn leaves in an amazing way by playing autumn leaves a thousand times you do that by playing hanons you do it by running scales you do it by doing all the things that get you In position to perform. And that's the part I think corporate America misses for professional development. They get it right in so many other aspects of business, but I think you're right. I don't think it's something that I've seen companies get right for individual people. What are those? What are the scales? What are the Hannons? What are the Mm -hmm. putting greens? What are those things for the business world? And that's what we're trying to unpack a bit as we think about professional development, because that's how I think about it, like a musician. Ah, oh, fantastic! I, I definitely want to learn more about
0: your your company because that's what started our, our conversation. And I'm going to even step forward and say that's what started our relationship. Of all the things that you've done, and all the things that I've learned that you've done, the uh, I'm going to tell you the one that I'm most impressed with because uh, I do know a couple <laughs> people who have worked at McKinsey. I, I know a ton of people. Who have been at Coca Cola at the highest yep. levels? Yep. I know some folks that are that have got the PNG stripes yep. and respect them a great deal. So the fact that you come with that has earned points with me. But Appreciate I'll tell you that. the thing that put it over the top, and I yep. got to ask you about: you once bought a fifteen hundred dollar bottle of whiskey <laughs> <laughs> on a Tuesday morning. This was just a Tuesday morning. You, yes, I got sir. to know what that yes, was sir. and what drove you to yeah. drop 1500 bucks.
1: So this is one of those experiences that that makes the, you know, the sleepless nights at McKinsey worthwhile. I had the opportunity, literally, I was the only person they call it standalone. I was the only person assigned to this project. My job was to help a company look at their bourbon portfolio and understand, you know, you know, what does the competition look like? How do we stack up relative to everything else? So uh, I landed on a Monday, met with the client team, and then, you know, they said, We really want you to get a good understanding of what the, the market looks like and what all the com- competition is out there. So you need to go learn about the market. And so I got up that Tuesday morning and pushed a shopping cart around a liquor store and bought every bottle of bourbon I could find and took it back and set it up in the room that I was in. And that, that's for, Six months, I spent, you know, six months tasting bourbons and, and getting paid to do it. That's a tough gig, man. Yeah. Yes, How sir. How did you make it through? How did you make it through? <laughs> and well, the, the balance was to be good enough to stay, but not move too fast before. You know, I didn't want to solve the problem before I uh, finished, all the, finished all the bourbon. So that That's was the That's right.
0: <laughs> I need to taste this one more time. I'm not quite
1: sure. I'm not quite sure. That was the opportunity.
0: Yeah, so tell me tell me a little bit more about this organization that you've created because we've talked a little bit about your storied career and they don't let just anyone walk into the doors of McKinsey. You've got to show that, you, that you've got some chops and I can tell you specifically that only smart folks get to hang out in the part of Coca-Cola that you were hanging out. Uh, I've only heard about your division. I wasn't actually allowed to see anyone in that group. I just,
1: I heard don't, you were there. We don't have the communication skills to, to hang out with you guys, that's what it is. <laughs> so you, you've taken all
0: of those experiences because you know one of the things I, I'm really, really excited by when I get to work with a client is that usually you find folks who have the intellectual understanding of leadership and they've read all the books, they've been to all the schools and they've read all the cases and that's really important. Or you find people that have the operational experience and they've been in those bunkers. They have made the call and lost the money or made the call and won the the client and they've got the scars to prove it. It's rare when you find someone who has both, and one of the things I'm working on right now is this idea that leadership is really scenario-based. Can you rack up enough knowledge of scenarios so that you can make a decision with known facts Mm -hmm. as well as with unknown facts? Do you have enough scenarios, either scenarios that you've personally been in or ser- scenarios that you can borrow from other folks, right? So it's the combination. How are you able to pull that together for the organization that you're building right now?
1: I think one of the things that uh, is tricky is you describe the the dichotomy kind of perfectly there, but you have to be immersed in the details of the problem you're solving today to be successful, but you also have to be able to see The structure, the core changes, this macro structure underneath the problem that you're solving today. So what kind of problem am I solving? Because if you only learn to solve that specific type of problem by solving it, it's going to take you a long time to develop the scenario catalog you need to be able to lead and lead dynamically. So I think it's about being able to get enough into the details to solve the current problem. But also to be able to step back far enough away from it to be able to see the skeleton, the bones underneath, so that when you see those bones again, you don't have to start from scratch. And the way we've kind of embedded that into the organization and we're building an Outlast is we focus on the fundamentals of performance and professional development. So we've got a framework called Think, Interact, Act. That's where we start. How do you think about problems? how you interact with others to solve them, and then how you take action together. And everything we do is built off that. So we keep it very simple, the framework simple, so that you can solve complex problems with it. And that's kind of how we've embedded it into the DNA of the organization. And it's allowed us to apply it to to management consulting, but also to professional development in terms of uh, helping STEM professionals get better at what they do, but also helping people of color get better at what they do. So that's what we've tried to do is see the bones underneath and keep those bones so that we can move quickly effectively from helping a you know a leader in a in a technical organization to helping a, a a person of color in in sales or marketing always with an eye toward what are the scales what are the what are the putting green kind of things that are going to help you make progress as you develop as a professional. What what are some of the biggest
0: challenges that you're working on right now that's got you scratching your chin
1: a little bit. We launched a service last month called Coaches of Color. And what that is aimed at doing is allowing big companies to be able to de- deploy coaches of color to people of color at scale in their organization because no company, by definition, can do the math, no company has enough people of color to coach and train the people of color within that organization. So what we've tried to do is build, a, build, a, uh, build an affiliate network of experienced coaches who've been there, who've got the scars and the training and the expertise to be able to deploy to people of color within these various organizations. The thing that's got me scratching my head right now is how to help companies think about paying for that because they haven't paid for it for 40 years, right? When you were a leader at Coke, you were expected to mentor, you were expected to run the you know, employee resource groups, you were expected to do all these things. That's invisible labor, and so how do you get people to understand what the value of this this invisible labor is, and the fact that they shouldn't take advantage of that? They should pay for this so that they can unburden the the, the folks that are dealing with that and trying to compete. That's the thing that's got me scratching my head right now. Wow, I mean, I I, I have
0: seen that exact same issue on a variety of situations, and you know, we, we try to drive this idea of singular focus, you know, because my time at Coke and my time at Kraft Foods and mm-hmm. my time uh, at the Imperial Sugar Company, uh, I was responsible for doing a lot of different things. And mm-hmm. I believe, and my mom would agree, I was relatively good <laughs> <laughs> at a lot of those things. But I wasn't able to focus singularly on any of them. And so the idea of bringing someone in who is singularly focused on this thing that you say is really, really important to your overall performance as an organization seems to make a whole lot of sense. And you know I'm right there with you with trying mm-hmm. to help organizations understand that. You know, one, one of the things I, I've uh, really come to appreciate uh, as I try to build out my own firm and run a podcast is Ooh. that there are elements of this that, sure, I could do it, but that's not my thing, right? <laughs> right. That's, that's exactly. I can do it, but right. you know, at best, you're just gonna get good. Right. You're never gonna get great. That's what I'm hoping that organizations will understand, that if you ever want to achieve great, you need mm. to bring in the experts like Outlast who know how to do this thing. Uh, One of the other questions I have for you, and it's kind of, I think you touched on it a little bit in your last answer, is this idea of a specialized focused on a particular element of, of the employee base. A lot of times people will say, and I don't necessarily disagree, but they would say, okay, I need to develop my people. I'll just go get a coach. I'll go get a professional coach. You coach women. You coach men. You coach African American, non-African American, mm-hmm. you you can coach. A coach is a coach. And you know, part of that is true. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like your premise is that there is value to having coaches who the client can relate with. Talk to me more about
1: that. Sure. Part of the reason I love the premise of this podcast of your podcast is our conversation doesn't begin at A. It begins at K or L, you know what I mean? You know what you're getting into. You know what there's a shared context, there's a basic understanding of what the ethos is. And that's what you get when you have a coach who has shared, had similar experiences to you, has been in the environment, who's been in a boardroom meeting, given a presentation and gotten silence and not known if it was because you know they didn't do a good job or because of something else or what. Um, someone who's been the only person in a meeting, the only person in a department, the only person in a plant that looks like them. You can't certify that. You can't learn that. I cannot tell somebody what it's like to be the only Black person in a plant and trying to get a room full of uh, majority folks from a rural area to listen to me and do what I ask them to do. I cannot tell you how to do that. But if someone comes to me and says, I just got promoted to plant manager at X, I already know. I understand, you know, I understand the context of what what what's going on. And so in most cases, I would agree a coach is a coach is a coach. But for people of color, context matters more than content when you're thinking about professional development, because it's so hard to get to the real problem. If you can't go through these things, you can't talk about communication. You can't talk about leadership and demonstrating X, Y and Z if I can't say, just can I just have a minute to tell you what happened today? Or if I can get to a point where I don't even feel like I have to tell you because you get it, you understand, I can have a different conversation. What majority of folks can't really have the opportunity to understand is that the conversations are different. They start at K or L or M. And that advantage is not something you can certify or coach or train your way into because it is born of a disadvantage that you have to live to understand. I can't think of five things I would say that about. But, you know, having two brothers who are also in the corporate world, a parents or civil service in the Department of the Army. So, you know how it is, is a phrase that to me encapsulates it. I can say, you know how it is. And the conversation proceeds from there. As a majority person, it's, it's just hard to get to. Th- I don't know how you get to that. And I don't know how you get through that to really work on the the professional development problem. Once you get to the problem, a coach is a coach is a coach. But I don't know how you can get to the professional development problem and put it in the right context without that.
0: That almost harkens back to how we started this conversation around making sure that you are solving either the right problem Mm. or the most important problem. Mm. Yeah, you can solve a problem. (laughs) Right. How do you know if it's the right problem and how do you know that it's the most important problem? And then to your point, and if it's the most important problem, it, most important to whom? Well, man, I'll tell you, this has been an amazing conversation already. I, I could talk to you for the next three days. As a matter of fact, I'm going to promise you that you can't get rid of me. One of the things that I have promised my listeners as part of the setup and the commitment for this podcast is that I would invite brilliant people into this conversation and ask them to leave the audience with two or three things that they believe is really, really important to being effective as a leader. And mm. I would love to get that from you. You've, you've shared so much, but what, w- what would be two or three things that you would say would be really, really important? And before you say that, let me just share with you, I believe that there are, that there are only two people Listening to this conversation, actually, three because my mom listens to every conversation. (laughs) Uh, But I think the two people are the first person is I think that there is someone listening to this conversation who is charged with leading an organization of people. They could have hundreds, they could have dozens, they could have thousands, but they're charged with leading an organization of people. It could be for profit, it could be nonprofit. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not really sure, but they're looking for gems that will allow them to approach their responsibility differently and more effectively. So I think that's one person that's listening. Mm -hmm. Another person who is listening is someone, they're just trying to lead their best lives. They're not leading hundreds of people. They're just trying to get this thing right called life. And they keep listening, hoping that they can assemble some best practices that they can bring into their life, maybe onto their job to make their space a little a little better. What gems would you leave for those two
1: people? i think for for leaders, the thing i would I would leave leaders with is to cultivate a persona of authenticity. And when I say a persona of authenticity, it sounds like an ox- oxymoron, but you know, my grandmother's fake it till you make it kind of thing. You know, you have to decide what's authentic, actively try to portray that and then settle into it. So don't try to just wing being authentic. That's what goes terribly wrong. The thing I would say to individuals is take the mundane and turn it into practice. Make it scales. You send dozens of emails a day. Be intentional about the emails you're sending. How am I structuring this email? What do I want this person to take action to do. What kind of relationship do I have with this person? Is this tone correct? Is this, is everything spelled correctly? Emails long outlive us and they go well beyond the people we are able to communicate with directly. So take those little things that you do all the time and make those opportunities to practice and be intentional.
0: Fantastic. Well, I have absolutely enjoyed this conversation. This has been a treat to connect with you again. Likewise. Uh, This will absolutely not be our last time. So uh, with that, raise your glass. Yes, sir. And uh, let's toast out. Man, I wish you nothing but the absolute best. Cheers. Enjoyed it. Cheers. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review. become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers.